0: Happy Friday! Welcome to the podcast. My name is Mike Bankhead. I am your host. I am a bass player and songwriter from the Gem City, Dayton, Ohio. My guest on this episode, episode number 67. My guest is John DeBuck, who is also a songwriter based right here in Dayton, Ohio. And we're going to go deep into the craft of songwriting on... The You Could Be My Aramis podcast. I think you're gonna like this conversation. Here we go.
1: Okay, hold on. Got it. You do.
0: John DeBo. All right. Where have you been all my life?
1: Uh I've been in Dayton, Ohio most of it. Um, I was in I was probably in Chicago for ten years of it. What year were you born, Mike?
0: Nineteen seventy seven.
1: I'm, okay. I'm, a, I'm a little
0: bit younger than you.
1: A little bit. I was Not born more. in 68. So I did live in Chicago for 10 years, almost 10 years. So from 94 to actually New Year's Eve, 93 into 94 through like 2003, part of 2003.
0: The, the finest city in the Midwest, the greatest city in the Midwest, Chicago Ooh. is.
1: What, well, next to Dayton.
0: Dayton's wonderful. Chicago's bigger. By greatest, I meant largest in size.
1: I know. And better food. And and quite quite a lot of great architecture and all that stuff, too.
0: Yeah. In defense of our city, though, there is good food here if you know how to look around and find it. Right. There are people doing doing good work here.
1: Seems to be getting better all the time, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As it should. So. You make music, which is why we're having this conversation, because I usually like to talk to people that also make music. How did you get started doing that?
1: Uh, I just did it like most, I guess, kids do. I just, I fell in love with the Beatles when I was in third grade, maybe summer between third and fourth grade, and just, just fell in love with that and knew immediately that I wanted to, you know, well, I wanted to be them until I probably was in like sixth grade. And then I realized that you can't be them. So I wanted to be myself. So I took guitar lessons for about a year and a half. And thanks to the late, great Morgan Taylor, who inspired me to take guitar lessons because he was, and I was jealous. And I would just went from there. I took him for about a year and a half, realized I had no interest in theory at all because they tried to teach me the Alfred guitar method. And All I wanted to do was, and at the end of every class, they'd teach me one chord. They had just a big page at the back of the book that was just guitar chords. And I learned one of those every week. And once I knew enough chords, I was like, I don't want to take lessons anymore because then I could write a song. And I immediately at least tried to do that.
0: That's awesome. So, like, basically that creative drive to express yourself is what makes you do music. As soon as you had the tools to write a song, you were like, forget technique, I'm going to go ahead and write songs.
1: Yeah, I was always fascinated with just, uh, just playing and singing and melodies and, you know, just that, that for some reason just spoke to me. So it wasn't like a specific, like songwriting itself obviously wasn't a concept to me yet, but I just knew the Beatles made these songs. And then I started to get into other stuff too, like Creedence Clearwater Revival and then... Just tiny little gateways. Then you meet friends. I had an older brother, which is the oldest story in the book, where he, he had a record collection that I perused, stole from, whatnot. And we also had the, the benefit of radio back then, like quality radio 97X, Robin Plan specifically, Planet X, which was like a very late night show on 97X. And I would listen to that stuff, put in tapes, you'd uh, put in a cassette tape when I went to sleep push play and record and then like if i woke up in the middle of the night i'd flip it over so sometimes i would have an entire 120 minute cassette of just like all these punk rock alternative songs that i'd never heard before and that that opened up a whole new avenue you know so it was that was kind of like that i just sort of progressed and i really loved just loved music and wanted to do it so i started a band and you just start messing around and figure it out as you go
0: you have a reputation in our music community for i'm going to say nice things because we don't say mean things
1: Uh
0: for being no you're a clever lyricist Mm -hmm. uh witty i guess would probably be a way to describe your lyrics and also you have a reputation for having a real knack with uh, melody and writing a catchy hook where does that come from
1: I suppose if, you know, whatever, I guess if there's like an innate thing that you just have, that's fine. But I guess the stuff I listen to was, or what I'm drawn to is that hooky, catchy, and lyrics, I don't know, that's, that's different, because I know, you know, that, that doesn't mean a lot to me, necessarily, in the music I listen to. I mean, it does, it has to fit. I don't think lyrics have to be great, or anything, they just have to be memorable enough and fit a bar that they're, they're excellent. You know, happy birthday to you is not the greatest lyric ever, but it makes, it says exactly what it needs to say without being anything. So I guess the, the lyric part, I just sort of developed, you know, just with my own personality, but the the hooks and stuff, probably just from hours and hours of listening to hooky <laughs> catchy music that I loved.
0: So when it's time for you to write, I, this is the part where i get to get into more of your process yeah you sit down and you're like this is song this is john debuck's songwriting time what's the first thing you reach for what's the first tool you reach for uh
1: my guitar and then i pretty much i don't i, I don't have a process where like i just sit down and i'm gonna write a song i will just usually it'll just come if it's to come so i'll just be playing around on guitar and usually sing and play at the same time and hit a spot in a call on a chord or something and that just gets me going that starts something and it's usually not a like a continuous process all the way to the end in one sitting It, it oftentimes weeks months years between finishing starting a song and finishing it um sometimes right away you know as inspiration goes but uh I think Todd Widener and I talked about this a lot um because we would discuss songwriting how then he described it which I thought was good as like uh an auto garage or you or something like that where you always have like a a car on blocks that you're kind of just working on you know and occasionally you'll just like find a carburetor that fits or something I, and you just you or you try something you retrofit things sometimes you have what you think is a chorus but it winds up being a bridge or a verse even you know what i mean you probably do it too you just kind of frankenstein things so you keep these like parts together for years sometimes just in the back of your mind and once in a while you try to stick something onto it and be like yeah it didn't work today but once in a while it's like wow it's perfect and that like sets it off which is great but obviously, you know how it is. The best ones are the ones that, you, that just come out of you in two seconds. And I stopped a long time ago hoping that would happen, um, even like expecting anything close to that. But when it does, it's great. And it happens less and less as I age.
0: So it sounds like you're a music first songwriter then, because you reach for the guitar first.
1: Yeah, I would say that it's like a, a but uh, so it's just sort of play and just sort of sing. I just sort of like kind of make something up as I go along. And a lot of times a line just will come out. I don't think about it. Sometimes I have like a thought, like an idea of something I want to write a song about, or I have a line that I like or something that I'll try, but usually it's just, it just comes out. So I'll write like a verse immediately and have like the lines come out. And I guess I just like naturally can find rhymes or something like that. And then um, it's always harder, you know, once you get past the first verse, (laughs) you know, and I feel um, we can debate this at length, but I think like to me, there's something about the second verse that's the most important part of the song because the first verse kind of catches you. But the second verse, I always feel like it should make the most impact. You know, because you're in, you're in the song a little bit. They pull you in, and then you hit them with something, something big. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if I specifically go for that. I think that that's just something I like—a philosophy I just feel is there, and that I think that, uh, that I think is in my songs.
0: That makes sense. Uh, the the second verse writer's block is a thing that is known familiar to songwriters everywhere so the songwriters oh, yeah. be like everyone's gonna be like yeah i get that <laughs> i i can understand i can understand that point of view because you if your listener is savvy you know you're you like music you write music and we we both listen to music so obviously since we make music we're going to listen to it a little differently than your standard listener right and at least one when I write, I don't want to alienate the person that listens to music the way I do. <laughs> like I don't want him to get in the song and be like, "It's boring," and then get out of the song. Right. Which, which means that your second verse needs to be decent. It can't be throwaway. And I feel like what you just said is a good is a good is a good explanation of that. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's you know, there, there's a, a there's I don't even know. I I, I don't even know how to describe. Um, the process of it, but there's and what you said about not wanting to alienate um the people that don't aren't into what you're into, um, I think accessibility is huge, and um, you know, I think that just for some reason, like making a point or like getting your point across in the simplest way possible is like the greatest form of flattery in a like to the listener. So you have to like make them feel comfortable and you have to speak in a way that i think is accessible you know which is what i try to do which i think is a midwest thing you know probably um, it's important not to try to talk over anyone's head so i don't know i don't even have an example to give you but there's just something about that second that second burst that really you know really drives it home for me most of the time.
0: You mentioned that you have songs that, that sit around sometimes for years. How do you remember them? Right? Do, you, do you write them down? Like how do you, a song list in progress. How do you, if you don't write them, I mean, first of all, I would assume you write
1: it down. That's I the don't. First, you don't. All right. So since you don't, this is, how do I you, knew we were going to, I was in the shower today. I'm like, he's going to ask me about writing stuff down. I don't write anything down. Which it's is insane. fine. Some
0: people don't. So you like have you have ever. a bunch of songs in your head that are not that are in various stages of completion. Yeah, it's all in the how hard How do you drive, not man. lose? How do you not lose some of that? Like
1: what? I, I probably there... do lose some of it
0: because you might have written, for instance, you might have had a great start to a song or you got a great chorus idea, and you're like, that is brilliant, and then you're stuck. All right, I'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. How do you come I'll... back to it if you don't like? What if it just disappears in your brain somewhere?
1: Um, so well the the way i think of it is if it does disappear from my brand it probably wasn't worth keeping around and um it usually doesn't if it if i think it's pretty good and there's stuff where i just like i'm not sure if it's good but I, there's something about it and it, i just have always had uh, that capacity to main to just retain to retain it. And I, I have lost things over the years. I will remember things that I forgot years ago and be like, Oh, that, Oh yeah. Or, and it'll like somehow come up and something I wrote in my twenties or something will pop up and I'll be like, Whoa, that I remember that, that was a weird little thing I wrote that I always liked. And then that will become something 30 years after the fact, which is always interesting, but yeah, it's, It's interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't write it down. I just hold on to it. And I always have, and I just have never questioned it, I guess. And when I do try to write it down, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like looking at it.
0: Like I cannot tell you how many good song ideas I've had where I wasn't around either my phone, like I'm in the shower. I wasn't around a place where I could make a voicemail or write it down. And they're gone. And I remember just being so frustrated. Like that was good. I wish I could have grabbed my phone and just sang myself 20 seconds. And so like yeah. to be able to keep all that in your head is I'm, I'm impressed.
1: Well, thank you. And I—I w I don't recommend it. These are not, of course, you know, whenever I do this, I, it's never advice. It's just what I do or how, how I work. But, um, and that is, but every songwriter has suffered from that where you come up with this amazing thing while you're just in the middle of nowhere with nothing. <laughs> and you you're just like oh my god that's the great and you try to just sing it to yourself somehow or just like get it in your head to remember it and then it even a half an hour later you know you try to go back to it and it's gone um it is a it is a frustrating thing although um the flip side of that is if i have my phone and i try to like record an idea onto my phone just from singing. Every time I get home, I'll turn it on, and I'll just be like, what the hell is that? It'll just be me going, Dude,
0: I've written songs on voice numbers that sound like that. So, yeah. I've.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's rare that I will actually make anything out of that because I can't decipher what I did or remember. And I think probably I've had a few beers most of the time when I do that anyway. But... (laughs)
0: So um, what's so what i'll do with my voice memos is because you know sometimes you hear the entire you hear the entire fully produced version in your head
1: sure yeah
0: so i have voice memos where i've sung myself like this is the guitar this is the guitar part this is the bass part this is the vocal melody part and when i do that i end up being able to put something together out of it otherwise yeah sometimes if it's just like one blah, 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 it's like what, what what was i doing <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was I thinking? Yeah, it was amazing. It was incredible. I know. And in the moment I was so sure, but it's, uh, it's, you know, it's different for everybody. That's amazing that you can from a voice memo do a whole thing like that. I can't do that. I do have, reta- I do come up naturally though, with uh arrangement kind of things, you know, I hear licks and riffs and stuff as I'm writing a song that I can't necessarily play or don't necessarily play, but they're there. So I always sing it as a part kind of, you know, between words or whatever. So it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's fascinating.
0: This is what made me jealous when I would read about Prince and the tools at his disposal because –
1: he, was, he had some substantial tools at his disposal. Well,
0: he was famous for having a bunch of musicians on standby at all times in his studio in his house. So, like, when he would wake up at 3 in the morning with the music idea, which I'm sure happens to all of us. I have dreamt songs. And then you wake up, and you can't get it down quick enough, and then it's gone, right? But he would have people around so that if he woke up at 3 o'clock with a song running through his head, he could call them and be like, let's go to the studio right now. And <laughs> it's like, that would be so nice.
1: That would be. I mean, I guess that's what you uh... – of course, he couldn't do that until he could afford right. to do that by working his ass off, nothing, right. you know, all the time. And he, he was pretty exceptional.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Not, not many people are like better bass players than your bass player, and better keyboard players than your keyboardist, and better guitar players than anyone. But
1: yeah, was, everybody in his band was probably like the at least, you know, no better than the second best at whatever they were doing in yeah. the band, you know. Which I, which is, um, for me, I'm always the opposite, but I, you know, I'm like the third best singer in my band and, and, you know, third best guitar player and, you know, well, drumming, forget about it. But I, uh, yeah, I can't, I, that's my, I have an idea and I can't always communicate it. And so I trust the other guys to do that for me that's how i work i just i don't have prince's ability obviously he was you know i know the word genius gets thrown around a lot but he obviously had immense musical you know yeah, the genius musical works. genius works G- genius works acumen and hard anymore that's
0: good that's really good that's a songwriter word
1: and it's a well rem used it so you can't use it now cuz Michael stopped it. I can't
0: use it. But the your point about hard work is true. Genius only goes so far. You have to be willing to put the work in and and he certainly he certainly
1: was. You mentioned yeah, and band. if you are a genius and you put the work in, you're kind of unstoppable. That's, yeah. you know, same with athletics or anything like that. If you're like, you know, Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, but you add all the work, that's that's why you're Michael Jordan, you know. It's like it, it is, it's something. And, you know, I admittedly lack some of that. I don't, I'm not like the most motivated person in the world. And I can't help that. I mean, I work at it to, you know, to some degree to change that. But also, my process is my process. So I've tried in the past to kind of force, you know, change or just work a little harder at songwriting, you know, just I'm going to really like push to make something happen and uh, it doesn't usually work with good results the 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 only thing that ever works like that is if i'll give myself like a project or something like that or a, or a, like a uh, you know i want to write a bruce springsteen song or i'm going to write i i have to write a song in 10 minutes and i can only have three chords in it i will give myself little um challenges like that once in oh, a yeah. while
0: well constraints constraints really can goose creativity
1: Yes. And then sometimes you get these songs. That's why um, I, I have a weird, like I, I, you know, like I don't always try to write my greatest song every time I write a song. That's not my goal, my goal is just sort of to be a good songwriter and just have, and you learn tricks that way. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get to your best songs by writing not your best song. That doesn't make those songs bad. I love the filler tracks on albums and stuff. I think it I I think there's too much cancellation of of lesser than their greatest song thing now. Cause with podcasting and stuff where like they'll break down a band and they'll be like, oh this you know, I this one's a skipper for me. I you know they like go through a whole album and they, like this those skippers as they call them to me are like some of the magical moments. It's like all part of the listening experience. It gets you to where you're going. You know, it's like if you're traveling somewhere it's never like a smooth thing you get sidetracked you get a flat tire you get you know you you don't speak the language whatever you have struggles as you get to like you know the parthenon or whatever you're going toward you know you have to like that's part of the the journey which is a word i hate but i used it but the experience you know and it's it's important. They're just as important. They serve a purpose, and they contain magical things that also, when you listen back to your whole catalog, you can go back to some of those lesser songs you wrote and listen to some of your more current songs that you think are better, and you can hear the seeds of that in your early stuff. So I think the process of it is is underrated, and I think that just writing all the time and just making songs you know those little challenge songs and stuff that can be some of your most important stuff whether it's you know considered your best the best stuff in your canon or not you know
0: there's a lot to unpack there and i hope yeah i, remember, I hope i remember because no i had like thoughts on like three or four different things you just said and i hope i remember uh, yeah. all of it i want to <laughs> i want to start with the, the <laughs> part where you said a song that's not your best doesn't necessarily have to be bad that's true, and you also said something that I always say, but you said it in a different way. What I say is, you have to write the bad ones to get to the good ones. Mm-hmm. You said the yeah. same thing. Or you just said it in a different way. Um, exactly.
1: Yeah. But I'm the person the
0: that will never share the bad ones. Like i am Uh, i mean i'm a lot more rigorous on quality control than i used to be and i know this because i listened to my first record i'm like what were you doing but um but i threw away a lot of songs before i put that record so it could have been even worse but uh if i don't think it's if i don't think 16 year old me would like the song or even 25 year old me if it's not good enough no one's ever going to hear it um that said as an old guy like yourself, I believe in the album as a as a holistic listening experience mm-hmm. and on an album. Not every song is supposed to be a smash hit single. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to kids these days, but, you know, the modern music listening experience is they all got to be bangers. Now, to me, that doesn't mean that a song that's on an album that is not a smash hit single necessarily has to be bad. But like you said, an album is supposed to give you a specific experience and take you in a place and sometimes you need a song that is weird or different or quiet or makes the listener think about something or maybe even confuses the listener. You need something for a change of pace or to to make the journey hinge. So that part I get, I don't know that personally, I would ever subject anyone to my bad ones, like not knowingly anyway.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's fair, but I don't also, I, I should say that I don't like not every bad song I write to me is like worth you know I there are plenty of songs I get rid of you know that are just this is not going anywhere I kind of know when it's going that direction but there are songs that I guess songs you know and you probably have your own songs that you love that no one else seems to like at all you know yep or you're just like oh, I like that one and they're like eh. and they're like, oh well I like it and it's it's the, those are the ones you well, know you gotta I write don't for
0: yourself first
1: yeah, yeah, I agree completely. You have to write for yourself and you have to, yeah, if you're not happy with it, it doesn't matter. I don't ever, I've never written for an audience ever. I'm the audience, you know. I just know, for some reason, I just know when I've gotten to a place where it's, you know, it's like that question where they ask painters when they know a painting is done. And well, I was going to
0: ask you that. When do you know the song's done? That was that was going to be one of the next questions.
1: It's, um uh, I just, you know, you just know, right? You just kind of know there are uh, actually there are times, though, when when, you know, it's not done. But like there's I don't know if you have songs, but there are songs where I just there's a clunker of a line in the song and you just cannot for the life of you come up with something better. And but the rest of the song is perfectly fine. I will live with that. And I can always change it at another time. That's the other thing, just because you recorded it and just because you wrote it at a time and it's like a, you know, there's no, there's nothing, there's no rule that says you can't change it later on. Yeah. And every performance after that, you know, sing the thing you wanted to sing if you come up with it later that you wanted to say. I've even heard Paul Simon say that, you know, he was doing some playback of um, Graceland and there was, you know i think it was the song graceland i don't remember the line in the song but he was like that right there that that line never liked it never could find anything better i just had to live with it and i'm like yes i i just love when you see like the people who you know are you know the, the supposedly the greatest at at their craft. they everyone has the same problem everybody so and, have- and it's it, It's beautiful that way,
0: right? It it is. I have an example of that. Uh, Fountain's Wayne, who you might know is one of my favorite bands and a strong influence in my songwriting. The first track on their first record, they have a lyric that goes, uh, I went to Pittsburgh and joined a pro team. Talk about a bad dream. I broke a knee. That's how it was recorded. If you watch their videos on YouTube, because they're no longer a band, if you watch their videos when they play that live, they change that I broke a knee lyric to they traded me, which is so much better. Way and, better. I, and I wonder if they wish that they had recorded it that way. But at some point after they recorded it and while they were on tour, probably it hit them and they were like, well, let's just sing it this other way from now on. Yeah.
1: I mean, and that's the, um, I've, you know, like when you, I've recorded where, where I have like a couple different, takes on a line or something and you just you sing it and sometimes the better take is the one with the line that's not as good and you know sometimes you let it go I you you can always like regret things there's always going to be regrets but I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal and it's ever-changing you know I just think people think that something is set in stone and you have to you have to leave it a certain way and I don't know. It's whatever. It's art. It's art. It it's fluid. It's fluid. It never, ever stops changing. And that's why you keep practicing your songs and playing them and then changing how you do something. You can't. You could go back and re-record it and redo every, you know. Bands don't do that, I guess. Let's just go back and re-record our
0: whole first Taylor, album. Taylor, all the songs. Swift, Taylor Swift is, but that's a. she's doing it for a different reason.
1: Yeah. But I now on, it's it's interesting. I mean, I love it. I love it all. I love all the the stuff about music that is that's ugly, you know. It's just people put so much on you to be to put out your your best stuff or whatever, and they're not the ones creating it. You are, you know? And, and if you can live with it, there's no reason why nobody else can. So it seems to frustrate people though to no end. True. If, I want to talk. If about something's not perfect, the perfect album. This is a perfect album. You well, know, no there are thing. perfect albums,
0: but uh, I have... In not... your opinion, though, and this that's is true, what you that's yes. very true. Music is so subjective, and it's sometimes it's hard to remember that. And I think it's hard to remember it because it means so much to us.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, one of my favorite things is listening to like people argue over like you know, what's, what's somebody's greatest, you know, no, that's his greatest album. No, that's his greatest album. And I'm and like, okay, obviously they're both his greatest album because you guys both feel differently about what's his greatest album. You know, I don't think you can answer that. You can, there's just your favorites. There's the artist's favorite. Probably there's the artist. you know, you've probably thought people are crazy for liking a song or crazy for not liking a song. You know, it's.
0: Well, completely I, I think so. your greatest album is called "Where Have I Been All Your Life." Are you going to argue because <laughs> it's that? my only
1: album? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's really good. T- talk to me about making that.
1: Uh, that album was a long, frustrating um, process. I actually recorded an entire album, like all of those songs, with completely different musicians, like three or four years prior to that um and didn't like it this is a this is a lesson for everybody who like if you were talking about you know over scrutinizing and over editing i just it's i did that for years i am a very patient person i sat on that record forever Um, I had written these songs all while I was like a singer-songwriter in Dayton. When I moved here in 2003 from Chicago, for the first time ever, I had no band. And I realized by going to open mics at Canal Street Tavern that I had no no chops at all. I mean, I had been playing in a band, playing rhythm guitar in a band. I could write songs, these poppy kind of songs, but I didn't have... I couldn't stand on stage and sing and perform by myself and get them across the way I wanted to. And there were some really really exceptional people in Dayton at that time. I mean, I, yeah. And there always there always are, but I mean at that are. time but at at um Canal Street specifically on co-op nights on Tuesday nights, there were just some really really heavy hitters and people like you know brody porterfield who is now in south carolina good friend of mine was a brilliant one of the most brilliant guitar player singer songwriters that ever lived around here he's from south carolina but he came here for college and stayed for several years and graced the world with his talent. I saw him. I
0: always wonder where he went to. So now I know.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, there were guys like Will Cope, obviously Todd. Dude, Will, Cope. Will Cope. I would,
0: I wonder where he is. That dude was, so uh, I think good. he lives
1: in Texas. I haven't talked to him in years, but I, but these people were great. I, there were so many good songwriters and I was, it was, I was embarrassed, you know, and I worked really hard to improve. And I did improve, and I'm still not, you know. I'm, I always refer to my guitar playing as exceptionally adequate, you know, and that's about, and that's all I as, have ever really aspired to. I just accompanying myself, it's all about the song for me. I've never been a person who wanted to be a great guitar player, you know. Um, I, you know, my singing, I, you know, I hate it, but it seems to get the point across. So I, Songwriting's always been the thing for me, just getting getting my point across. And I improved enough that I um I've even forgotten where we're going with this, but oh that album. So I just started writing songs and those songs even though they were me singing and performing by myself, um I always kind of pictured them with a band in the back of my mind. So I know I upset people when that album came out. I got, you know, just people who had known me from the um Co-op days and stuff like that. We're like, oh, I like it better this way. I'm like, well, I can still play it that way, but you know, this is how I was heard it in my head, so that's what I'm doing with it. You know, and that's what it was. That was, but it was years of just songs that I had written and just wanted to get out, and I finally did. You know, I'm not a hundred percent thrilled with it, but really, it, it, I got, it's just like
0: it's just full of these really catchy. Not just catchy in the moment, but memorable hooks and lyrics. I I remember texting you from our vacation in Mauritius, telling you that I was watching the Indian Ocean from my bed, and uh, my wife and I are singing your yeah. song by, by the ocean. It's, it's memorable. Th- that's
1: my that's my favorite compliment, by the way, is when people you know are. So tell me that they quote i I get my lyric my own lyrics quoted back to me quite a bit well
0: i I do that to you all the time i think i do it because i know it bugs you least i think it well it it does does, it's
1: it's embarrassing a little bit but it's like it's the highest it's the highest compliment really you know if you're somewhere you know on the other side of the world having an experience that involves a song i wrote then you know there's not too many compliments that are greater than that, I suppose.
0: I cannot tell you how many times in a conversation, if anybody ever says it's not that far, twenty five steps to the old bar is said immediately after it by either my wife or I. It's like it's like automatic. And it's, hey. not, it's totally organic because we'll be talking about something unrelated to
1: you, right?
0: It's like, oh it's not that far. Yeah, just twenty five steps to the old bar.
1: <laughs> uh, see? All the time, That's dude. A- and I, that's a, if you would have asked me, I don't know. I don't know. That's probably one of my favorite songs I ever wrote. That one specifically. I don't know why. It just that was one of those ones that came out in like five minutes. And all that stuff, you know, it's all that. I didn't have to think through a whole bunch of lines in that song. It just kind of that one I blurted out right in this very room, I'm sitting in right now. Well, actually, cool. on a Tuesday afternoon and so it's yeah.
0: crazy to me that you're disappointed in that record because i think it's really
1: well i'm not disappointed in the re- i guess okay that let me i just i think it was too long like as a record every song didn't need to be on it i you know that kind of stuff it, it would have been i would I, I, I like, I like 13
0: songs i like that like 16 year old me it's like if i spend 20 bucks on a cd i wanted to be at least twelve or 13 songs so i'm i'm, I'm
1: glad and it's i and i'm beyond i'm past you know i've i'm I've made peace with it, but you know, if, if I won't listen to it myself in my car and you've only made, if, peace, if I do, or, there's a couple, have you made peace love? And yes, I've made peace love. And that's another one. That's one of the big quotables to me, which I didn't come up with that phrase myself. I just stole it from somebody, but with permission that I worked with, said that line to me. And I'm like, I'm going to steal that. And she said, be my guest. And I did.
0: Hey, so I've tried to ask you a couple of times to talk about the band, and then when I've tried to ask, you kept talking about whatever else we were talking about.
1: I completely refuse to talk about right. my band. No, I, I
0: i think it's like so. I would think there was a break in the train of thought, and try to squeeze in the band question, and then you would keep going. So it's probably on me for mis for misgauging your your conversational rhythm. But now we're free and clear. Uh, tell me. I can about, go. Tell me about your band. Uh, you always seem to recruit. Really talented people to play with you, and I'm really jealous
1: <laughs> um well uh, um recruit is a <laughs> is a word that they probably wouldn't appreciate but i they um i asked i've asked people to play with me, and they've said yes um so that people have also said no for the record um but i I don't know. I, I'm I'm happy for those that have said yes, and those that have said no because you know they gave me an opportunity to play with the ones that said yes. So I, it's been I've been lucky.
0: So the gentleman, yeah, um, the gentleman who recorded your album are not the gentleman you're playing with now. So, but I want to talk about both sets of musicians. Who who is on the album?
1: Um, the main band is Brian Hoflick on drums. Um Tom has played bass on the record and Todd Widener played guitar and then I played guitar also and sang.
0: That that's pretty good.
1: A couple of couple of guests in here. But yeah, it's good. It was a good it was a good um group of guys. Um yeah.
0: And uh, <laughs> did you <laughs> Tom or, Yeah. Uh, Tom actually engineered that too, didn't
1: he? He did. Well, he did. He engineered that and um And then he didn't mix it because he kind of like the band. He left the band right at the end. Actually, kind of during that process, we got the whole thing. Well, that's not true. It was just after, but he kind of like didn't want to do the mixing, so we turned that over to Patrick Himes with the um, stuff that he had recorded. But yeah, it was it was a process that took a long time, and that was my fault for just kind of being wishy-washy about what i wanted or what i liked and probably mostly about my vocals and stuff but i think you know it turned out okay right it was good
0: yeah it's great uh none of those guys are in the current iteration of the guilty pleasures uh dear i know that's so weird but dear listeners, the John's group is called John Debuck and the Guilty Pleasures.
1: Or John Debuck's Guilty Pleasures actually. My bad, I messed that up. Which John is,
0: Debuck's Guilty Pleasures.
1: Which is more an allusion to um my uh just to the to my songs in general which I just call it my songs, my guilty pleasures or something like that. But the um I used to say guilty because I play a guild guitar, like my acoustic guitar. Well, I guess my electric now also. But I called them guilty pleasures in the old days. But the, um, I just sort of always liked that phrase. So I just kind of stuck with it. I don't I don't have an opinion one way or another about a guilty pleasure. Some people like to be like, oh, I don't believe in guilty play You know, I do. It's fine. I think that a lot of things that please people, they feel guilty about. You know, in music and all kinds of things, but like ice cream. Um, yes, ice cream was the example I was thinking of. Um, but yes, of course, yeah, things that you do that please the hell out of you, but also you know, come with a lot of hard feeling. Um, I like that. I also think it's like uh, there. I ha- I'm a person that had finds taste in word. I I taste words. So the word guilty is salty to me and pleasure is a sweet word to me. So I kind of like the sweet and savory thing going on there. I just like, you know, there's something to it. It's, it's, you know, but yeah. And also if it's John DeBuck's guilty pleasures, it also implies that you can change members of the band and it doesn't, you know, it's not like a one set thing, I guess. I don't know. I, keep them. But yeah, nobody that is interesting. You bring that up. I didn't think about that. There is nobody that played on that record that is in the band currently. That's so funny, but I <laughs> kind of passed it off as it went along. I, like it was a gradual transition. So, um, John wow.
0: DeBucks, John Bucks ship of thesis.
1: Uh, yeah, John Bucks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How many people you think are going to get that joke?
1: I I don't know. Uh I don't. But oh. you're a sh- ship a thesis? Come yeah. on. Are you
0: I probably trying to make it me wrong. look dumb on your own podcast. Uh,
1: I pronounced it wrong. Theseus. It's Greek. Okay. Well, explain that to me. I'm writing oh. this down too, by the way.
0: Oh, it's a uh, it's, it's an old Greek uh all right, so it's it's a thought experiment. So let's say Theseus has a ship, right? And mm-hmm. and a board or a nail goes bad, and you replace it. And something else goes bad, and you replace it. So eventually you replace the entire ship. When you've replaced the entire ship, can you still say it's the same ship? Oh, interesting. It looks the same, but all the pieces are not the same as they were when you started.
1: Exactly. Okay, there you go.
0: And I totally pronounced it wrong. But yeah, that's what that's what the illusion was. I like that. But in your case, you're, you mean, it's still you and it's still your songs. So, and it still sounds like you, when you play live, the, the songs, yes. when you play an old song, it sounds just like it did before. Uh, so talk about your new, your, uh, I don't want to say new and improved because everybody was good before too. So you're new and fresh bandmates.
1: Um, okay. Well, that's interesting that you brought that up because that's part of it is with, with changes in band, uh, members, I don't, I don't put any emphasis on doing it the way the last person did it. So I don't say, Kent Montgomery, learn the Todd Widener guitar parts, do it that way, do it, just, that's it. It's, you know. And the same with uh, Todd Widener learned the songs from Brody Porterfield, who played on the original thing I recorded. I said I, you know, so there were different musicians on, Uh, an earlier iteration of the same album that I never put out. So those are out there somewhere, not out there, but I've got them on Dropbox, (laughs) maybe someday. Um, That that, sounds
0: like useful behind the scenes content for like a Patreon or a subscription or something.
1: Perhaps, you know, if I ever decide, if I ever decide I wanted to release something like that, but um, Brody Porterfield wrote a great, like most of the guitar parts that and Todd Widener, learned those and you know Brody's such a such a badass guitar player and Todd of course being an excellent musician and an appreciator of great guitar playing realized that as well and just kept a lot of the parts that Brody had originally done and of course then added his own amazing Todd Widnerness to them and you know there were songs on there that I wrote after the fact too, so like there's, uh, I there are additional songs to what I had originally recorded too. So
0: Todd Widnerness,
1: I like that. Todd Widnerness, it's the it's a long way of saying you know the way Todd Widener plays. Yeah, I
0: mean we, it's hard to be from here and not love that guy. But uh, I will tell you something I observed from going to see your shows, having seen yes. many iterations of your band. And I used to enjoy, obviously, I used to love going to see shows when when Todd was in your band. And then for for the time that you had Rich Reuter in the Todd role... Yeah. He'd play the same parts because, of course, Rich is technically skilled enough to learn whatever. But I always was fascinated watching Rich play because when Todd plays, it's like a whirlwind of frantic, anxious energy. And Rich is yeah, like t- Rich is like static and steady and calm and his hands are barely moving, playing the same stuff that Todd was playing. And I'm like, well, that is completely different styles. Like, Rich makes everything look easy when it's not.
1: Yeah, there's like there's a complete difference in styles and and the band and the band adapts to both. And Todd is exactly that. Todd is Todd is way too much of a force of nature you know well he's obviously he's a songwriter so it when Todd Widener is playing in your band it's kind of an honor because he's an he's an outstanding guitar player yep. and he's and he is that though he's just i mean it's just a it's a tsunami of energy you know and it's and it's all over the place in a lot of ways cuz he's you know I don't think he played things exactly the same way twice ever, which is great, but it's a bit similar, and you know he was a he's powerful dude to have in the band and then rich is you know rich is exactly that rich is a very precise and measured you know guitar player and is outstanding and excellent and it was a great it was a cool iteration of of the band i mean that's the thing it's like different people do different things. And so that's an example of what we talked about earlier. Like what's on the record is Todd, but it was funny that Rich is on the picture on the back because that was the day we got the picture taken. Todd had already moved. <laughs> so Rich was there. So Jennifer Taylor came over and just took the picture after practice. So it's so funny that Rich is in the picture, but Todd plays guitar on the right. Rec- I know I felt bad that there wasn't a picture of Todd on there. That's well, We all know what thing. Todd
0: looks like. It's okay. <laughs>
1: We do, but I guess the rest of the world doesn't, and the rest of the world obviously is who's listening to that record.
0: They will um, soon. His solo soon stuff is going to blow up. I feel it's like it's inevitable.
1: Um, but, yeah, and then um, Kent Montgomery is this different um, animal altogether, which you know, I didn't, when Rich um, left, it was, I, I didn't know what to do, because I don't know that many people sleep and That was Dan's, it was Dan Stahl's idea. I think maybe a combination of Dan and Phil suggested Kent. And, you know, their opinion was enough for me. So I'm like, okay. So uh, that has been really cool um, because Kent is not only a great guitar player and a guy who like works really hard at it. And also, like, gets my weird references to punk rock and stuff like that. Like, he can, you know, he gets. And, and Todd was this way as well. Uh, um, but with the like the you know references to if I'll be like, just do something kind of clashy or do something, you know. Well, he, Todd, he Todd loves the clash, so that was that's he does. Yes. So I mean, and but yeah, um, Kent's got a lot of the same. You know, he's he kind of loves. You know, he's a big fan of early Beatles. He's a big fan of like some punk rock stuff that I like, and so that's a good shorthand to have. And so he's been really good. Plus, Kent has that vocal thing that's yeah, um, that's just like tailor made for I don't know this band. It's it's been a very good it's been a very good inter- iteration of the band. Um, you've
0: uh, I mean, dropped, we can get into bands the in age. general. You've dropped the average age of the band quite a bit by adding Kent.
1: Oh yeah, big time. It doesn't feel like that. No, you know. No, I, I, um, but it's, I
0: mean, it's cool. I just think it's kind of funny that it's from what you said. It sounds like you didn't know him all that well before he he jumped into your band. Not at all. Good dude. It's, I mean, well, first of all, he's from my hometown, so I'm kind of obviously partial to fellow Xenians. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I love those boys in the old fashioned, and, and they're all really talented. And like you said, can't not only can he really play. Um, he can also really sing, and you mentioned him being serious about playing. I I remember when it was I was talking to him, but he was like still taking lessons. Mm-hmm. And I look at he still does. And to him, look at him play, and I'm like, this is not the kind of guy that needs to be taking lessons. Like he seems he already knows what he's doing, and that just shows me the dedication to the craft, right? Just the drive to always want to to be better and find a way to to improve. Um. So yeah, exactly. Kent's awesome, and I'm very jealous that you get to have him in your yeah. band. Um good songwriter too he doesn't get a right too many in, in his other band like they give he, doesn't, uh,
1: yeah, they give he doesn't he doesn't one per record basically <laughs> i know and i you know god bless him his uh you know john debuck's guilty pleasures he's not getting a whole lot of chances in my band either so you know but I, he's I his own band is definitely in his future for sure. He he should do something. Yeah. But like that.
0: I would love to make a record with him. Uh like a straight co written project. Uh that's I've mean I have like sixty ideas of what I want to do, but that's uh, a Ken Montgomery collaboration is one of one of my ideas.
1: Yeah, he's been great. I he's been a lot of fun just to play with because I don't know my, my big criteria for a band or my ultimate. And what I think is the most important is just um, commitment and availability. You know, you just, I'm in your band. I said, yes, you asked me to be in this band. I said, yes, and I can commit to one day of practice a week. That is like my big, (laughs) and that has been like, this has been like the greatest iteration of the band for this like we you know it's great communication and it's been a lot of fun and my my thing is not like the great uh, you know all i want is people who have ideas and i let them uh have their ideas i don't like tell anybody what to play Ah, so you don't you
0: don't write all the other parts you're just writing i mean
1: there are suggestions i will make or there's like there will be things like i said earlier i'll have a guitar part in my head that like definitely has to be there you know like a a riff or something that just pops up when i sing the song it's got to be there um and i can communicate that and that's no problem but yeah i trust the other people to be i'm not a bass player if i try and you are but i'm not i'm not a drummer and if i tried to do that it would not be good it wouldn't be a Nearly as good as what Phil Cavanis can do. Well, you know,
0: I'm glad you mentioned Phil. Talk to me about him. By the Uh, way, Phil is dude can sing. Dude can really
1: dude. Phil can sing, and Phil is an outstanding bass player and just an outstanding musician and all around great dude. And he is a Swiss Army knife of of sorts. And he, I don't know, he's an open minded guy. And so is Kent. And so is Dan Stahl. They're they're and, and very
0: steady drummer.
1: Steady, and I and steady, and also creative, and you know, I I just try to give them the opportunity to do that, to be that. To so when we work on a new song, it's very much a group effort. You know, I bring in the bones. I've got like what I think the idea of the song is, and then we just we just hash it out, and it's pretty. It's it's been great. It's been so much fun. Like I really like to practice. We're a quiet band. We practice quietly. Nobody in the band plays loud. You don't walk out of there with your ears ringing. We have a really good time. Everybody in the band is hysterical. Yes. So we spend so much time laughing, and and it's great. It's been really fun. And we've been recording with Tim Pritchard, which has been, you know, he's just more of the same of that. He's just a really good-time guy. And he just comes into BHA, and we just record songs. So we're trying to just lay down some of our new stuff. And then eventually maybe we'll put out a record. Once it we sounds have like songs. an album's
0: on the way. That's what it is. What I heard. sounds like it. It's,
1: we're building toward an album. We're kind of, we're kind of like recording songs and then doing videos with Brandon Barry <laughs> as we go. And then eventually when we have enough songs, we'll just put out a record. So of those uh, songs.
0: Candle is the most recent thing you've done. And speaking of everyone having a hilarious sense of humor, that is obviously meant to be funny. Uh Phil was not available apparently on the video shoot day because
1: he's not in it. Unfortunately he was not. And that would have been the best day in the world to have Phil Cavanus there because so, Yeah,
0: I don't wanna like talk about the video too much because what I want to do is have people who are listening to this go watch it. Okay. Listeners, it's really funny. Yes. It's if you want to know about John DeBuck's personality because he's—you <laughs> can't tell he's funny from our conversation because we're talking about songwriting and it means a lot to us. We're being serious, but I'm he's not a, being funny at all. He's a hilarious either. guy, and you—I uh, think you'll laugh at this video, right? People will laugh at it, right?
1: I think so, and I can't take credit for all of that because I just—it's the same. It's more of the same. It's sort of it just—it's what our practices are. That's what we're like in general. It's kind of like just. Be yourself and do whatever and see what happens. And it's funny. And Brandon Barry is obviously the same way. Yeah. So I just we just kind of gave him carte blanche. And we're just like, just do just record stuff. Do what you want. He had some ideas. We had some ideas. We had Who's, some general ideas.
0: Whose idea was it to put Kent in that wig?
1: Uh, that came up on the day. I don't remember. Nice. Probably Kent's. <laughs>
0: No, it's Probably. great. And I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes, dear listeners, that you can go <laughs> see it. Uh, let me tell you, John. I'm actually kind of jealous about your band, and I kind of wish I had them. Um, now, if I had them, I'd have to make Phil play guitar because I've got bass covered. But uh, yeah, I would love to play with those guys. And you're very fortunate to have such talented people um, playing your songs.
1: Thank you. I agree. I mean, I couldn't ask for better people. It's been it's been great. It's been a pleasure to play with them. It's perfect. <laughs>
0: Now it's time for Shameless Promotion. Where can people find John DeBuck on the internet?
1: Um, At all the places you would expect to find us, Bandcamp, um, Facebook. um, You know all the other ones, right? I'm terrible at this. Um, All the places you find music, because we are on Magnaphone Records, so Tim and... Dan take care of all that stuff, and they put us on all the social medias that I couldn't possibly tell you how to find. But
0: all right, I'll link to your Bangda Film Records page in the show notes too, and then uh, let people see it. So that's uh,
1: perfect. Yeah,
0: we don't have too much time left. There's a couple of questions that I uh, always ask every guest. First, um, did you ever go on the uh, the gym City podcast with Izzy Rock? I did. Did he ask you what your childhood smells like? Because I stole that question from him. So if you've already answered um, that, I don't want to have to ask you again.
1: Well, my childhood, I I, I think I probably told him that because I don't have a sense of smell.
0: Oh, then we skip that one. Here, here's the question. I, that... have,
1: I imagine it smells like, uh, but I think I probably told him this too. It probably smells like uh, Salem's. Like my dad smoked menthol cigarettes, and there was always coffee brewing in my house. So I imagine it was kind of some kind of, Cigarette coffee kind of thing going on
0: think think back to your youth as y-o-u-f youth your childhood What's the first song you can remember hearing in your life?
1: Uh, First song I remember hearing in my life Um, I don't have a specific song, but it had to be uh, It had to be some kind of Christmas record Either by Johnny Mathis or Perry Como or something like that, that my mom listened to that was probably the first thing I heard i I had to be nice. just my mom loved Christmas music and all of it so or Nat King Cole or something like that
0: any uh final messages or thoughts for the listeners before we uh before we go?
1: Um gosh, you know so many. Um, Thank you for your support over the years. I do love to write songs and perform for people. And I think it's super important to support local music, continue to do that and, you know, you know, be a good listener and be, you know, be a good fan and, you know, learn about music, learn about all kinds of music and continue to appreciate it. And grow as music fans
0: fantastic and we should probably tell people to come see you at south pack tarvin on friday december 16th at 8 p.m
1: that's true playing with brandon berry who's flying into town i just went to visit him on whidbey island a couple of weeks ago and that was fun for like four days it was good time um and but yeah he's coming in he's i'm playing a show with him the paint splats which is just him and eric and was it um Bruce Hall is playing bass with him at this show. And I'm going to do some – I'm just going to do a solo set to open. Also, um, Vagabond down at the Front Street um, space, if you guys are familiar with that, Vagabond studio. We're playing a show on December 2nd there also, which is like a recommended $20 donation at the door. You can pay whatever you want. Uh,
0: December 2nd is actually the day that I plan to put this podcast up but it'll go up in the morning. So dear cool. listener.
1: It's the first Friday. It's, if you yes, are listening tonight, to this,
0: yeah, if you're listening to this today on December 2nd, go see John DeBuck at Vagabond tonight over on Front Street. You will not regret it. If you don't know him, meet him. He's very friendly. He's very nice. He won't bite you, all that good stuff.
1: Aw, oh, thanks, Mike. This has been fun, man.
0: Thanks once again to Mr. John DeBuck for being on the podcast today. Thank you, dear listeners, for listening. If you live in the greater Dayton area, come see John DeBuck's Guilty Pleasures tonight at the Vagabond Art Studio down there on Front Street. It is a suggested donation of $20, but you could donate whatever you wish. And John DeBuck is playing South Park Tavern with the paint Splats in two weeks. On the way out, I wish to humbly ask you to like or subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, if you enjoy what you hear. And I wish you a happy weekend. Bye.